Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, ultimate guide for in setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at Open World. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, offered by yours truly, by your own item, now available on Amazon. It's been called Inspiring and Empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. Okay, so one of the big things right now is Amazon and specifically making money through self-publishing using Amazon's platform. Uh, the trouble is a lot of people are rushing to this gold mine but not doing as well as they'd hoped or not earning any real money. So I connected with a guy, Bruce Jones, who has self-published 32 books on Amazon and just last year he did more than 11,000 in sales through his Amazon publishing efforts and he's turned Amazon into a lucrative source of passive income. So I'm really excited to have him on the show and pick his brain. And, well, I just want to welcome you to the show, Bruce. Great. Thank you, Danny. This is kind of a, uh, we're on the opposite sides of the planet, I think, in this conversation. So uh, this is kind of fun. This is good. <laughs> exactly 12 hours apart. You're in Boston, and I'm here in uh, Cameron Highlands, Malaysia. So I don't know if you can hear the crickets right. behind me. So <laughs> it's the globalness. <laughs> yeah, but we just survived. We've just passed our our record uh, 108 inch 108.6 inches of snow uh, in the Boston area that we had this year. So that's the record since the dinosaurs, and um, so we're thrilled. But there'll probably be a little more, knowing how March usually goes here. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm still sunburned from uh, the Malaysian sun here. So <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> Got to meet somewhere in we can, between. We can only hope. We can only wish. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so I love Bruce's bio here. He's a business graphic designer, software developer, musician, and independent video producer. So he's one of those through-and-through through creative types, creating the art, and he's figured out a, a way to support himself from that art. Um, how long have you been doing all this stuff that you're doing, like just tinkering away in these creative endeavors, Bruce? Um, I've been in business for 30 years. This is my 30th year of being a, a, a freelance graphic designer. Um, products, I started developing products in 1990 and um, started releasing products online in 1996. So I've been doing it um, 96, 2006. Yeah, almost 20 years I've been selling um, products online. And that's been a, a terrific endeavor. And then sort of making products probably about 20 Five years. So, so which which products did you start creating? Were you creating uh, printed books back in the day? No. So my first product is I, I, I'm a graphic designer, and um, so I used a lot of maps, and I've always loved maps, and I I really wanted to have a product that I could sell. So what I did is I designed my own line of clip art maps that were edible. I did them in Adobe Illustrator, and I drew uh, based off of uh, U.S. government. 
maps, CIA maps, uh, Defense Department maps, um, all the states, countries, uh, regions, continents, world projections. I, I hand drew all of those in Adobe Illustrator. Um, and so I made a whole line of uh, basically clip art maps that people could use as designers. Uh, and then I started to get calls from people, uh, and I sold those in lots of different ways through schools, through businesses, in the back of the old Mac user magazine. And uh, in 96, the, the web came along, and I said, well, I have all these electronic files. Why don't I see if I can sell them online? And I, I put up a little website, and I sort of put together a package. And I had been to the degree of, you know, of hand-duplicating disks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I started getting calls about, could my maps be used in PowerPoint? And uh, so I figured out a way, and there's a few of us, there's about four of us in the world that kind of figured out how to do this to convert those maps into PowerPoint. And that's where things really sort of took off um, in the map business. And so PowerPoint maps and, and for presentations we use for making sales territories, we're doing marketing stuff, um, you know, pretty much every company that needs a, uh, does a, a presentation about where their salespeople are uses um, PowerPoint maps or needs them, and they're often done at the end of the presentation. That business just kept growing and growing. I then added county maps to it because a lot of the U.S. Um, sales territories are broken down by counties. Um, that eventually, and I've been now selling that product um, through a number of sites. I've made over a million dollars selling those maps um, over the last 20 years. Some of the years doing well with them. Um, and I still sell them. Every day I sell I sell. PowerPoint maps, either individually or in a collection, to basically sales and marketing people uh, making presentations. So that gave me the base of a sort of continual income um, was global. I sold those all, basically every English-speaking country, but ultimately pretty much to every country on the planet. Um, and I set up a couple websites, used Google, uh, made a lot of videos that became a, a very good way of doing uh, marketing my maps was using video, how-to videos. Um, and that has to continue and continues to this day to be a, an income producer for me. Um, and then about, I don't know, 2007 or eight, somewhere in there, I started making books and uh, uh, CreateSpace came along and totally changed uh, the entire face of publishing. And CreateSpace is a division of Amazon um, and totally changed the, the entire face of publishing, basically because you, all you needed to do is be able to create a PDF file Uploaded to Amazon, and you know, as Amazon grew, book sales grew, everything grew, um, and the ease of publishing, you know, you don't need to have garages full of books anymore. So that sort of around 2008, I guess, I started making books. Um, a music book was my first book, and then I just kept going from there. Um, and I'm a big believer in repurposing content too. So I took many of the maps and turned them into coloring books and geography books. Um, I, I play mandolin and guitar, and I wrote books on um, chords and stuff like that for, for musicians, <laughs> beginner books. <laughs> and, so this, this and those really that kind became, of run the gamut, huh? That you, the books that you're creating. I, I have a lot of interest. So I've read that of the 32 books you've published, a few have done really well and some have sold just one copy. Um, is there any way that you decide what type of books you want to write about? You just, you just write books that you love and enjoy. Yeah. Um, so mostly I just write about books on topics and things that I enjoy. And I have a lot of different interests and I find that it's really hard to sort of figure out, um, what is going to be successful and not, you can do testing, but, um, I really recommend sort of write across a lot of different areas because you're going to be surprised. 
So that's basically the philosophy that I take. And then once you find a topic that works, since that's the sell, then you can make multiples of that. You can do different versions of it um, and kind of spin off of that. So that's sort of the philosophy that I've done is, is to write on um, a wide variety of topics on things that I just have interest in because it's hard writing books. So if you don't like it, <laughs> if you don't like it, it's just not going to work. So yeah, that's that's so, what my thinking um, was, Bruce. Is that I think it would be easier to focus on a niche, you know, and, and it would be easier to build a mailing list and create similar products to your following. Um, but you seem to be so creative, like you be able, you can just write thirty-two books. How do you produce so much? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> um, well, some of my books. So I have books. I have books that are coloring books. I have books that are music books, so chord books. Um, I have books with actual words in them. Um, so, like, I wrote the book on how to publish your book and a, and, a, and a couple other sort of business books. And those I'm just, I just write. Um, but I have a variety. A lot of my books have um, a lot of graphics and pictures in them. So that's one of the ways that I've been able to do it. The other way is, and I call it sort of the, uh, the, the chip away theory, is, I just keep chipping away at it. And sometimes it takes a number of years to get something done. It, it looks like I'm always producing a tremendous amount of content, but I have a pretty heavy pipeline. So like right now I have seven books in process. And um, so I'm always sort of releasing things because I'm always sort of working on things. And I just keep working on them. Um, and, and then I kind of do, you know, I do a variation of a book. Once I find something that works like the, the geography books that get used for geography and in schools and in uh, coloring, I, I can just take the maps and things and just make more of them. So that's sort of, I just keep chipping away on it, um, which is why you have to do things that you like, because you're going to sort of live with this thing for a long time. So, yeah, so this is just kind of like your, your main hobby. Like, you don't have other hobbies. <laughs> you, just, you just love to write, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I just, I love books, but I also really love, and I have for a long time, the whole concept that one person can be a global business. I think it's just absolutely amazing. Um, I call it that the, you know, the gatekeepers have fallen in, in marketing, broadcasting, distribution, publishing, and advertising. Where we used to have a lot of barriers in, to, to do any of those things, those barriers have all fallen. Um, so I think it's just the, it, the opportunity sits in front of me is like, wow, this is really amazing that, you know, just like right now, we're having basically a free call to the other side of the planet. Um, you know, when could this have ever been done? So the same thing happens in, you know, in publishing um, or broadcast. You know, YouTube is a broadcasting platform. Amazon is a publishing platform. So to me, it's just the real message of make stuff um, because you can make stuff. And if you have a, I, I'll say to people, if you have the idea to be creative, then be creative and create. And you can make some money at it at the same time because there's just so many opportunities um, to distribute your content. And it costs such a little amount of money to make the content, um, especially with things like books. You can, it can just go on and on and on and on. So, I mean, you have to market them, but, you know, we're not shipping anything. So, Right. I agree that the barriers have broke, been broken down, but it's also, uh, I guess, flooded the market, would you say? Um, because I know there's a lot of people who are creating the books, they're creating the art, but, uh, they're barely making peanuts, you know? So what's the differentiator between financially successful authors and, uh, ones that are just scraping along? So 
one of the things I think that's really important in the success of, um, of publishing books is that you have to market the books. And um, a lot of people that I talk to or I, I, I follow or, or such um, really seem to rely a lot on or think that Amazon is going to carry the ball on this. And that just isn't the case. Amazon will do some marketing of your books once they become successful or start to sell. But uh, overall, it's it, your success is going to really be based on uh, marketing. So uh, what I do for marketing and one of the easiest ways that I do it is I have put up um, websites uh, based on whatever that particular t- sort of area is. So let's just take my music books as a good example. So I have, I think, four different music books, and I have put up a site called AcousticMusicTV.com. And what I do is I took uh, pages from my my, my main book. My, the, the main book in that category is called The Central Chords for, Ukulele, for Guitar, Mandolin, Ukulele, and Banjo. And I made... Uh, JPEG images of every single page that was really easy to do. I basically just exported them out of the PDF file and put them, every page of the book became a page of the website. Underneath that graphic, I put a good description about uh, that particular page. And then running down the side of the website, and these are very, very simple websites. I just did them myself in Dreamweaver. Um, I put ads for the books that link directly to Amazon. So all the main books are on the right-hand side, and uh, the pages are in the middle. And that has that technique has proven to be very, very successful um, because uh, people are searching online for, let's just say, guitar chords, and it's not unlikely that they will discover my pages and come to my site. And um, a question that people always ask me is, well, aren't you concerned about people just sort of taking the information and, and never buying anything? Uh, my answer to this is... Um, one, you always reward the viewer or the, the, the visitor for why they came to your website. So you want to give them what it is they're looking for. But the second is very few people are going to sit there and download 60 pages of your book page by page. It's going to look like a web page. It's not going to be nice and clean. It's going to have all the web stuff all around it. Um, they want the book. Um, so if the book is sitting there right, ready for them, um, it's very likely that they'll click on it and go buy it. I also feel that you're really working in the one or two percent world. I, I think that um, the same as in direct mail marketing or any other marketing. You're really in those percentages of one percent. You need a lot of visitors to come to your page um, in order for people to see it. So you can think about it as if when you walk into a bookstore, you walk by thousands of books that you never buy. You may look at a couple of them, you may turn over the covers, you may open them up, but you're really going for the book you're looking for, but you have to be in the bookstore in order to have that happen. So I think the same thing happens online. You have to have um, your book available so people can see it. And if they like it, they might buy it. If not, they walked away with a good feeling and you gave them the information. Um, One of the things that the graphics do is that if you search in Google Images under mandolin chords, guitar chords, banjo chords, my graphics are very likely to show up. So it gives me little ads all over the place. Um, you can do the same thing with a print book. You can uh, post, you know, paragraph by paragraph your book on, onto a blog or a website or something that sits out there, and Google will find it, and people will come to it if they're interested in that topic, and then your book is sitting there. So I think it's, it's vital, and I've taken that theory on my map books I've done it, on my music books, I've done it, and I've also spread it out through social media. Uh, the music books have done very well going through Pinterest, um, again, taking each page of the book and putting it up online. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I've seen your acoustic music TV, and I know you have a, a whole lot of stuff going on here. Um, you gave away all of your book for free, like 100%, you said? Um, well, certainly on the music books, pretty much. Um, my my best-selling book is my blank sheet music book, and that one I don't give away for free, but um, but everything else around that book I give away for free. So the music book, is I think it's 100%. Um, of the pages are out there on my map book. I, the, and if you go back to the, to the map products I talked about earlier, when I made the PowerPoint maps, I also made JPEG versions of each of those maps and they get kind of, they go along with the package. If you buy the maps, you can also get the JPEGs. No one's ever asked for them. So because there's a million maps, but what I did is I took every one of those maps and I put them up onto another website um, freeusandworldmaps.com, and that generates between forty-five to 60,000 hits a month, depending on the time of year and what's going on, because of all those maps. And, and each one of those graphics is alt-tagged and described, and again, wrapping around the outside of it, I'll put my, my for sale content. So I figure out what content I can give away for free, um, and then around it, you wrap your products um, but I think that I you have to get people, you have to get people to a site. You have to get them to see your content, however you do it. And if they like the book and they want to have that book, then they'll buy the book. And is this is this an evergreen model? This approach because you're you're basically creating SEO traffic. This is going to create sustained sales, right, outside of promotions and whatnot. That is correct. That's correct. Uh, okay. it, it, yeah, it definitely gives sustained sales. I think the acoustic music gets about eight thousand hits a month. Um, but I'm also, you know, I have them on Pinterest is I've been amazed, you know, Pinterest has now released their, um, their hits, their, their clicks data. So you can sign up. I think it's, you just set up a business site or I don't know how they did it, but I recently started doing that of, you know, releasing how many views and how many clicks you get. And it has astounded me of how many people see those graphics, those pages from that book. Uh, or in any other book that I do, and then you can make a live link to Amazon. They encourage you to do that. So that's another place that stuff is out. But, yes, it's a really an evergreen model of putting your content out there. Um, it also gives you, and this is a big thing that I, I really encourage people to do when you're doing product development or your product is have some very clear channels that people can get back to you. So um, people will come to this website, and if they don't see what you're selling them, I mean, if they don't see what they want, they'll call you or email you or something if you give them a channel to do that. And so you're getting a, a tremendous amount of feedback, um, certainly in the early beginnings of your product development, um, on your book, your product, whatever it is, by making a really clear communication channel. Um, I think that's really, really important, and you can really – that's basically how the – the PowerPoint maps came about. It's just because people contacted me because I gave them the channel. I never would have known about it. Um, I always, I'm a graphic designer. I just work with Adobe Illustrator. Um, but that was because I made that open channel. I see. So what you're really doing is you're repackaging and you're repurposing all of your content. Um, I know that you also do, like, a, you mentioned a 12-step autoresponder in one of your articles. Um, mm -hmm. What's your approach with this autoresponder? What do you recommend for someone to get good results? So uh, on... Both I have two sites that I do this on. We'll just work on the acoustic music uh, TV site. So what I do is I have a sign-up box for a free portion for some chord charts. So you can sign up there. You can get some chord charts uh, for free, and you get a little sort of mini version of it. And what it does is it puts you into my uh, 
autoresponder series. So I use AWeber because they have just, I think, probably the best autoresponder series. And um, what comes out of there are now 12 emails that I send out on, I can't remember what the, the frequency is. It's every few days or something, enough so it doesn't bother somebody. And there's a PDF attached to my books. It's like a little book catalog. So here are the other other things. And I also, at the bottom of each of these pages, I put a little picture of the book that came from and said, this book's available on Amazon. Click here. And in a PDF, you can make a live link. So I basically set up 12 more touch points of content that doesn't, that doesn't cost me anything really to do other than the AWeber subscription um, that just goes out. Somebody makes a contact, they want the free stuff, and um, out it goes. And then it, so you have 12 points to, to contact. Um, I think on the map one, I do four of them. Um, and so I'm, I also will send out a little survey. One of those questions is a survey. Did you like the maps? How are you using it? So I get some feedback. Um, one of those calls, uh, one of those emails ended up having somebody come back to me and said, could I make a series of books for their curriculum? They were a curriculum developer for geography. And could I make a series of map books and make them sort of as coloring books for kids? Um, I had never even thought about doing that. And that opened me up to the whole coloring book market that I didn't even know really existed um, because I put out an autoresponder and said, give me feedback. And um, so that opened up then this whole line of geography coloring books that I've done and has have done very well with. And, uh, it's a nice, so you're, you're sending out the autoresponder um, series can be, let's say you're doing a a tips book. It might be the book broken down by tips and you just send out an email with a tip, you know, here's this week's tip on, on whatever it is you're doing. And underneath it, put a link to something additional or a link right to Amazon. So it's a, it's a great way to continue, um, the the, the, sort of the touching to those, you know, to give me touch points to each of those potential buyers of your products. I see. That's fantastic. So tell me about some of your other marketing channels. You do things like, um, I know you create book videos. You mentioned Pinterest. Uh, tell me about some of your, yep. some home your strategy and some of your recommendations. So one of the things that I did, and this happened with my maps, when I released my PowerPoint maps. Um, so I have a seri- these series of maps that work in PowerPoint, and you can change every state. You know, there's a million maps you can put in PowerPoint, but they're not, editable. So you can't change the colors of the states. So I started, because I put up a box that said, you know, ask me questions, uh, people started asking questions and I recorded and kept track of every single question that came in. So I just made a big word file. It wasn't very sophisticated. I, you know, if somebody asked me a question about how do I color something in PowerPoint, how do I enlarge it, how do I add text, whatever it was, and so I just kept building this list. I still do this today. I, I, I keep every email that I get um, from somebody coming in. What that did is it built this huge um, sort of database in it's like a 250-word page word file of customer questions. I took that, printed it all out, cut it up into little papers, sorted it and organized it, and realized I was answering the same, basically the same 10 to 12 questions all the time. So I made how-to videos for each one of those questions. So one of them was, how do I color? How do I enlarge or reduce? How do I add text? And so I um, just made YouTube videos. And what I discovered, a couple of things happened. One is each video that I made that covered a topic, those questions disappeared. 
So people weren't asking those questions anymore because they were being found on YouTube. Now I have almost 50 videos. This is sort of built over a period of time. I have almost 50 videos on YouTube for promoting my maps. It's almost 100% now that if somebody calls me on a question about my maps, how do I use them, how do I make a sales territory, whatever it is, they reference the video. So I I know that they're looking at the video. So the, the video marketing has been very effective in um, getting people to find me. And, and how do they find me? It's because they search in Google on the question, how do I do something? And Google feeds in the YouTube video. So, um, and the reason they, it feeds it in is because I've added very good descriptions to the video description box in YouTube. I think that's really the key of, of YouTube and making it effective for your marketing is a, is a good title, but a very filled out description box. They'll give you 5,000 characters. Use all 5,000 if you can. Um, and just because that stuff is searchable in Google, the two, the two sites are linked together. And so it becomes a very effective, especially if you're doing sort of how to stuff. You know, informational stuff. You can take, put the transcript of the video, put a good description. That gets found in Google. That gets found in YouTube, and it also gets found in Google when someone searches. So I have discovered that video is really, really effective for that. Um, I've also done videos for each of my books. I try to do a video for every book. Hold the video up. I'm not being very sophisticated with. I'm just basically holding it up, showing the book, flipping through the pages. Um, That video then is used on YouTube, but I also use the video on a, on, in my website. So I'll set up like a book page. I just modeled Amazon. I just took whatever Amazon did. I just copied the same thing they did. Um, and so not only do I have the, the book covers running down the side, I also set up a page, like a little bookstore and go, here's my book. I'll take that same video, plunk it into um, that book page. So uh, for me, video, I think has become real important, um, especially if you, do a really good description stuff in the video, it it gets found really well. And a lot of your competitors aren't doing it. If you discover, go search on people in your same topic, look at their videos, look at their description boxes, and you'll see that they put a sentence in. So you want to have a live HTTP link and a well-filled out description, and it will become an effective marketing tool. So, um, so I would say YouTube is very effective. Pinterest, I think, is certain types of stuff is becoming quite effective. I, I can't tie exactly to it, but it, it gets a lot of views. The, the static website that just sits there where you put the pages of the book up and talk about it and put ads is effective. Um, I also do some on Facebook, and, and uh, um, but the problem with Facebook is that it, for marketing products is that they just keep rolling down so they don't stay very long. Um, the graphics from the book, you know, they sit out there forever and Google indexes all those things. So, you know, if you can turn your book especially if it's information, turn it into charts and graphics and give good descriptions, put them on Google Plus and everywhere you can put them. Um, so those are a lot of the, the ways that I market my stuff. I know that you get a lot of ideas and information from uh, reviews from other books. Um, yes, I do. So you're talking about when I'm sort of designing a new book, what do I look at? Is think on Amazon? Well, yeah, like as far as uh, topics you can post about or topics you can write about, um, I feel like I agree with, like, you can get a lot of great information from reviews that other people write about books in that niche, um, as well as things to put in my copy, like how I package the book, you know. If people complain that there's not specifics, you know, you can say, well, this book features uh, specific tactics that you really want, techniques and such. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I think there's, 
I've used exactly that same technique a lot in uh, developing some of my books. So what I'll do is I'll look at the competitors' books, and um, you know, there's a lot of information you can glean on sort of bestseller ranks and things. But the real gold, I think, is exactly as you say. The real gold on Amazon is in the the customer reviews of the books. So I will look through those also, and you're looking. Um, a lot for what the negative reviews are. Go look, you know, you can, especially if the book has a, a, a bunch of reviews, they'll eventually, they'll put a few of them up, but they'll organize them into here are the positive ones and here are the negative ones. It's down near the bottom. And um, look at the negative ones because that's where people are being, you know, are telling you what they don't like about the books. And then you can make a change for your book. Um, you can also see what they do like. And so you know now what are the main benefits and sell points in your books and also what are the things that are missing from other people's books that you can put in and then you can take that negative comment and make it a positive comment because you're going, oh, I now have this, this, and this in my book because people have been complaining that they weren't in the other book. So an example of that is when I did my sheet music book, I looked through the reviews and saw that um, so music sheet book, music books are just basically um, uh, you know, lines and people were complaining that the lines were too close together. They couldn't put the notes in, in, the, in the scale. Um, the other thing that people wanted was a little bit of music theory, just to kind of remind them of the things they needed to, to be writing about. So I took those two comments and put them into my sheet music book, add a little music theory, spread the lines a little further apart. Um, and those became sell points for my books. And, and everybody, you know, that has become a very successful book for me. Um, I think based on primarily just reading that kind of stuff. So um, you can really find some, some tremendous information of what is missing in books. Um, some other parts that are really powerful about the Amazon site is you can use the see inside feature. So I will do this also if I'm working on a book. Go look at the leading books, look at the table of contents, and you'll see how that person laid out their book. And you may go, oh, I completely forgot that topic. You're not copying someone's book, but you're using them as sort of inspiration um, and order and structure of what should be in your book. So you can go through the top 10 books, look at, go to the see inside. And that feature is if you see the book cover on Amazon, right at the top of the, of the book cover, there's a little thing you'll see, see inside. Just click on the cover. It'll open up a page, Kindle or the print side, doesn't matter. Um, you'll see basically the first 10% of a book. You'll, you'll see the table of contents. Well, that's a list. That's also a big marketing point is those are your benefits in your book. So when you're thinking about how am I going to present my book, people are going to look at that table of contents. So instead of having chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, have each of those chapter heads be descriptive copy about what's in your book. And you basically have given people a um, you know, a, a benefits list of your book and here are all the features of the book and they're all listed out. So it... Um, so it has a lot of, of power in terms of you writing your book. You can find out what people are writing about, what should be in all the leading books. You just see what they're doing, and then you can turn it around and it becomes a marketing tool uh, so people can kind of see. So the reviews are powerful, and the table of, of um, the, the see inside feature and table of contents is very powerful. All right, so this is great stuff you're giving me here, Bruce. First, you were saying uh, to write about things that you love. Um, second, you use uh, feedback from your readers and research on the market uh, to create new content. And then the third and fourth thing that you tell people about are um, you need to keep publishing and you talk about volume. Um, so what is volume exactly? Like how do you become a really productive writer and, and just create so much content? Can you break it down? I mean besides, besides what you were saying about 
you know, publishing through different mediums and taking your book and, and how, how do you like, you know, I feel like a lot of writers, they, they talk about, it's about quality, not quantity and, you know, and it's, it's not, but you, you say that you need to keep publishing a lot to, to make this work. I think so. Um, one of the things I've discovered about um, publishing on Amazon is that um, books reach a level. They, they seem to have a place that they sit. And, you know, I've noticed over the period of time that I've been writing books and producing books that the sales have gone up, but, um, you know, of different books. But books tend to sort of have a level, and then they'll often sit at that level for a long time. So you may have a book that sells one copy, you might have a book that sells, um, you know, 20 a month. You might have a book that sells 60 and 70 a month. And what they do is they tend to sort of sit at those levels for a long period of time. So what that meant to me was you can have a book that's successful. It'll just kind of keep on being successful for a period of time. But if you want to make more money at it, you need to make more books because, one, you don't know what, where it's going to sell at, what its level is. But you can, you know, pretty much they will sell if you sort of market them and do things. But you need to sort of fit, get get a whole library of books going in order to make um, some significant money out of it. So my goal when I started was to hit a thousand dollars a month. That's what I was really working for. Um, I'm also very aware, and there's a lot of different people, a lot of different theories on this, but. Many books, or I think the average on most books is that they won't sell over between 150 to 300 copies in their lifetime. So, and I would say that's probably true. You'll have a few bestsellers and you'll have some that don't do anything. So <clears throat> you just shooting out one book, it, it, you may be a book that doesn't only sells 100 copies and it never sells any more than that. Um, so knowing that the numbers are fairly low, you need to create quite a, a variety of books so that you can sort of hit something that's that's going. Um, I also think that you can you need to cross promote your books. So you try to build a family of books, and Amazon in the last year has really come out supporting series of books. They really want you to make a series. So instead of trying to write a 300-page book break your book into volumes or series of maybe 70 pages or 100 pages. You know, a 300-page book can be broken into 300-page books. Um, people don't read a lot of, uh, of books. I mean, you'll notice, even if you look at yourself, I think the numbers is something like 85% of books never get read. So one, book sales are really low. Two, nobody's reading these books. So um, you, you need to just sort of make smaller volumes that people can get a hold of. You can read the entire book, but you can link them together. And Amazon will then promote the series. So when people go to checkout, they'll go, hey, there are three other books in this series you might be interested in. If you like this book, maybe you'll like those books. Um, so they really support that, and it's a fairly easy thing to do. If you sort of think about your content in smaller chunks, you can produce more. Um, you know, if you have a 300-page book that's selling for, let's say, $10, uh, you know, you only get so much. But if you have three books that you're broken down into 100 pages each and you sell them for $6, well, now you have an $18 sale. So you're by breaking into smaller pieces, you can get more money out of it because more books will be sold and you can promote each book at the end of the other book. So, um, you know, at the end of the book, you can put a chapter for the next book. If it's a Kindle book, you can put a link to the next book. So you can link your books together. You can promote the next book inside your book. You can produce more if you sort of make them shorter. I'm not saying make, you know, 30 page books, make them decent, make them, you know, valuable, but, don't try to put everything into one massive thing. Break them into pieces. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what, 
I laugh because that's exactly what I did. My first book was 320 pages. Well, more than 320 pages. Um, but then I, I created a series of like follow-up books, uh, which are around 30 or 40. So neither one of those is really ideal is what you're saying. Right, right. But what happens is that, so now you can have, so let's say you have a 300-page a book. And you can break it into smaller chunks, maybe 120, 120, 120. You write a little bit more. You can also release the 300-page book as the collected works of. So now you have four books. You went from one book to four books by breaking things into pieces. And you can put them back together, uh, this sort of box set thing. A lot of people are doing this. Or you can combine, let's say you're writing a bunch of books. And this works really well in Kindle. Um, you're writing several books. And um, you can then make a, a box set of those books. So here's the collected work. So you're just repackaging stuff in a variety of ways, um, you know, that you want to give value to your reader. You want to make sure that they're not feeling that you're just, you know, ripping them off. But you, by sort of breaking things apart, putting them in smaller chunks, gives you more opportunities for promoting, gives you more blog posts, gives you more titles. Instead of selling one book, um, you're selling a variety of books. And for a lot of authors, from, from books that I've read on marketing and books, is that a lot of authors don't even really get their traction going until their fourth or fifth book. It just takes time to build a library, to get Amazon to see you in there, to see your, your readers see you going. And, you know, so break things into, into smaller pieces, I think, is the, for me, is the secret. And you can get them done. You can get them out. And there's, you know, it's a wonderful feeling to sort of, you have one done and released as opposed to just sitting there forever, just sort of going, I'll get this done, I'll get this done. Um, there's something magical that happens when you hit the publish button. Um, I, and it happens on just simple blog posts, but it also happens in books that, you know, your mind shifts and you have a new understanding of what you've been writing by just hitting that button. Yeah, exactly. I can speak for myself when I wrote my first book, just how uh, confused I was about the whole process and uh, intimidated just by the pub by the process of publishing a book, but now that I've done it, um, it's a lot easier for me, I think. Right. Yep, I would agree, exactly. Um, the other thing that I've done in terms of you had asked a question about sort of finding the time, I have this sort of this, this chip-away theory of, that I use to sort of get these things done is um, I found a time of day to schedule when I will work on stuff on a project. So for me, that time was often between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning that I finished breakfast. This is when my kids were at home. I finished breakfast. Um, and then I had sort of this hole before I went to work. And it was about an hour long. But my goal was to get about 25 minutes of sort of concentrated um, time. And what I found was it doesn't seem like a lot of time. 25 minutes doesn't seem like much. But it's amazing how much you can get done if you sort of build it into your schedule of every day, you have 25 minutes of focused time on that project. Um, you will get things done and, you know, move things, move things forward. So yeah. um, I highly encourage people to kind of figure out where that hole is. And then that's your, your writing hole. Yeah, exactly. You need to like have a place where you can just zone in and just completely focus. Um, I know a lot of writers, like they, they spend a whole day and they only write like a hundred words. Um, you know what I found that works really well for me, Bruce? Uh, I work really well when I'm on a train or in a bus. Anytime I'm commuting. Airplanes. I love airplanes. airplanes. Yeah. Airplanes. I, I find airplanes are incredible. I always will bring with me when I'm flying. Last year, I ended up flying a lot. And over the last couple of years, I've flown a fair amount of mountain. I have some flying coming up. I plan 
activities, I plan projects for my air flights um, because you can, you have that three hours, that five hours, wherever it is, you know, you have to be done by the end of those five hours and you just, you can just focus. You don't have to talk to anybody. It's just concentrated. If you're tired, you know, you're kind of wearing out. You just lay your head back, take a little quick nap, wake back up, <laughs> keep on going. Um, <laughs> I've written a lot. <laughs> I've written a lot of stuff on airplanes. Yes, exactly. Like just, yeah, planes and trains and is, is yes, I agree completely. Yeah, I've, I found that I can do 2,000 plus uh, words per minute on the train, and it's fantastic and cool. Um, well, right. Bruce, I want to thank you for uh, enduring through this interview. We had some connection issues, and uh, I've had a little bit of traffic here because I'm traveling at the moment. <laughs> um, but I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to share your knowledge and, and expertise. I kind of just let you took this one because you, you're so you have so much hands-on experience and so much knowledge on uh, the topic of publishing, and uh, it was great to have you here. Yeah. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, keep in touch. Great. Thank you, Danny. Good to, glad, to, glad to participate.